Hey team, it's Matt Drinkon here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast with your host, Matt Drinkon. And uh, let's face the facts here, team. I am not going to be a professional singer. Uh, that was my best attempt. And hopefully you're not going, trying to adjust the stereo right now because that is really how I sound. Today, we're going to have some fun, <laughs> a lot of fun, because we're going to work on something today with our guest, Mr. Chase Tollison, and he is phenomenal. I'll tell you a little bit about Chase. He's a health and life optimization specialist who helps men reclaim their confidence and fitness from the inside out. He utilizes something called the Enlifted Method, and he helps men to clear the stories that hold them back. Chase is truly doing his part to create a world of men who live their goals and inspire others to do the same. So. As we get ready to have this conversation today, I just want to share with you in advance, I've been following Chase on social media for some time, and I am impressed by his discipline. He is someone that's incredibly fit, but also I'm impressed by the depth of his thinking because when I see him speak on the social media, he is not just looking like some fit guy. He's a fit guy with a deep thought process, and he shares that all over social media and he shares it today and I'm looking forward to seeing you on how you respond to this. So please, once you hear this, please feel free to reach out, rate, review and share uh, with me on any of my social media channels how you respond to this conversation because there's some good stuff today. I'm looking forward to sharing with you. So team, without any further ado, I introduce you to Mr. Chase Tollison. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. And with that introduction, it is my sincere pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Chase Tollison. Chase. I'm great, Matt. I'm excited to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely, my friend. I've been looking forward to it since the first time I saw you on social media. And you got referred to me by Mr. Austin Lenny, who's been on the show. And he was a handful. I loved Austin's energy. He was just bang, 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 bang. Just going 100 miles an hour in every direction. I loved it because I'm the same way. Can you tell me... What's something about Austin that makes you smile? It's that energy. And just when you think that he's going in so many different directions that like, he's only in multiple different directions, all of a sudden, everything else will just come into, it'll happen. He's going in multiple different directions and he makes all of those directions happen. 
he keeps them all all in check. It's very cool. Yeah. He's like a master uh, puppeteer because now that I'm following him too on social media, he's I, I see his post and it's like all these different places he's going. The themes are all congruent and concurrently running and so impressed. So anyways, let's talk about you and let's dive right into some challenges. I love to uh, kind of walk back in time and look at what are some of the challenges that have helped to define who you are and how you've gotten to this place in your life, Chase. Thanks for asking. There's a multitude we could choose from. One of the first that I go to is when the Navy turned me down for a Navy SEAL contract. I had sold my car to pay for LASIK. I had been talking with recruiters for well over a year, and it was all on paper. I go to contract in at MEPS, Military Entry Processing Station, and they tell me, sorry, new instruction was sent out five days ago your misdemeanor is no longer waverable. So I had a misdemeanor possession charge from when I was 18. I was 21 at the time. At this point, the whole reason I was talking with the Navy trying to be a SEAL is because my second cousin had sent me a book called Lone Survivor. Maybe you heard of it. Got turned into a movie. I tore through it in 72 hours, sold my car. I was never supposed to sell. The Camaro I'd had since I was 16, you know. So his plan backfired because that book, he heard I was talking with military and thinking about spec war. And he's like, this is what it's actually like. You get stranded on a mountain. Of course, 21-year-old testosterone-fueled meathead. Oh, hell, let's go. So I dig into that. I sell my car. And then we fast forward back to MEPS. I go home. I'm quite let down. We give my package to my second cousin. He's rubbing elbows with admirals at the Pentagon. He gives my package to this uh, deputy chief of naval personnel. All right, so like this guy could pull strings. This guy reads my package. He goes, sorry, don't believe his story. I can't help him. The story was one that the recruiters told me to write to push my stuff through faster. So it wasn't the truth. It was something, yeah. So... At this point, I've been talking with the Air Force, then the Army, then the Navy from 2008 or summer 2008, and we're now in January 10. They go, I'm like, all right, I've been talking with the military for two years. Get me out of town as fast as possible. I'm ready to go. And fast in 2010 was like three months. Okay, you're an engine. You leave in nine days. So I go in the Navy. I'm like, well, I'm still going to go be a SEAL. And they're like, my command says, that's cool. And no, you're not. Even if you submit a package and you get approved, you're too good at working in engine rooms and we're too small of a ship and we're not going to let you go. So yeah, this story ran my life or ran my life for ages. I got out, I opened a gym, but the effort was never really there because I thought, well, what's the point? If it's all just going to happen anyway, it's going to be Rugs can be pulled out from under my feet. And that story ran my life until I started working with stories. Started working words and language with people. Well, take us back to the story. You read the book. You're inspired back at the age of 21. You go to enlist in the Navy. You want to be a SEAL. You wanted to live that life and serve that way. And from there, it feels like from where I'm listening, let down after let down by the people, you put your trust in the recruiter to do this story and nope, that's not going to work. You get in, you go in and you share, this is my dream, this is where I want to go. And they say, yeah, but you're too good here. So no, you can't go there. And this story starts to develop. So 
I feel for you right now at the moment. I'm thinking with this particular story, you took that. Somehow you have this story in there. And at the same time, you managed to become an entrepreneur and launch a gym. So there's a story, but there's also a lot of strength here. How did you come to launch a gym? So the gym, by and large, came out of Chase becoming disenfranchised with a broken leadership system and flawed advancement structure in the Navy. I got out after four years and said, I want to be my own boss. I like working out. I'm going to open a gym. And then I got a better business education than most people get when they pay for a business education because I went into thinking I could just coach and learned I had to run a business. (laughs) So I went through that. And the story of wanting to be a SEAL and it being pulled, that one unbeknownst to me was running in the background for years. This, why put full effort forth if the rug's going to be pulled out? Why try and change it if the path is predetermined? And a few years into running the gym, I was introduced to a program called Enlifted, where we look at the stories. And you may have had people, judging by the fact you've had Austin on, you may have had another guest on talking about Enlifted. The stories run the show. Abracadabra comes from the ancient Aramaic for with my word I create. And that once I learned that magic, I was actually able to take this story of, oh, the Navy, the Navy did me dirty. I went and I looked, I was able to see it for the wins because I went from not being able to run a mile straight to running two miles in 13 minutes with a pack on swimming 2000 meters, running home at the same pace and then doing push-ups, pull-ups and what have you until I was blue in the face in the garage. So instead of looking at that story and saying, man, the Navy really did me dirty, like look at it and say that as far as what I could control in that situation, I did the thing. I love it. You took it from victim or it happens to you or there's a downside and you took it to the offense and, and this is what it did for me. And I love that. And let's keep going with that. So you did the gym. Great education. I did the gym. I opened the gym because I wanted to change lives, right? At the core, that's what I wanted. Tell me what a man is without fire in his eyes. That was like, was going to be my slogan. I was like, okay, fitness at his finest. I'll make it about fitness. And I was like, oh, we're going to go to the CrossFit games. We're going to do this. And the vision started shifting. I realized that fitness is more than just performing. And slowly and surely, the gym became more like I became more into the mindset. I'm great with movement and lifestyle. And mindset and identity creation is where it's at. That's the missing link. And a lot of coaches will talk on mindset in the fitness industry. What I found was these stories, these underlying mechanisms that create havoc, that create, you said victim, right? That create the victim mentality. And the definition of the victim mentality is when an individual tends to regard themselves as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. And it depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. It is an acquired trait where an individual tends to regard themselves as the victim of the negative actions of others. It's acquired. We pick it up somewhere. It depends on habits and attributions. To feel. And once I learned about all of this and learned about the magic of language and how simple and practical mindset shifts can be and to actually make them stick, it's like, oh, this is the samurai sword of personal development. And I started getting more into identity creation and coaching on a higher level, just fitness, if you will. It's still integral to any health journey, in my opinion. I actually come in 
back around to a little less than a year ago. Now, quarter one, 2021, we'll go further than a year ago first. Quarter one, 2021, I said, I will no longer be in day-to-day operations at the gym. Quarter one, 2022, told that to my coaches. Little did I know how that was going to work out. Now, here's another fun, I may have put this one in my intake form. Here's another hard time I went through. My little brother passed away unexpectedly, November 27th, 2021. I was at the gym working out and it was a Saturday. I got a call from my mom at 11.48 a.m. She goes, and we had been over there the night before. My brother and his wife had spent the night. She goes, uh, Ian's been unresponsive to CPR for the last 10 minutes. The paramedics are here working on him. I let out what the expletive and she said, yeah, can you come to the house? So I drove my 2007 Forerunner like it was a Ferrari and we went up there. They pronounced him dead at the scene and then got a pulse via epinephrine. And so it was an induced pulse. His heart stopped two more times in the ER. Once he got to the critical care unit, his brain went without oxygen for so long that it was like it was swelling down into his brainstem, into his spine. His autonomic nervous system was shutting down on its own. And at 27 years old, his wife had to be the one to make the call that like comfort care only, which is a fancy way of saying pulling the plug. That being said, all of these tools were integral in that. My sister by this point had become engrossed in this work as well. And when she walked into the hospital, I gave her a hug. I was like, they're going to need us. And anytime somebody would start sobbing that day, because it happened multiple times, I would walk over, I would hug them and I'll just breathe low and slow. And this is one of my favorite tricks. Somebody's crying. Just hug them and keep breathing. Because sooner or later, the crying comes down. Then it just kind of goes to a whimper. And then before they know it, all of a sudden, they like take this big, deep breath. So that putting that story in there, because my brother was the guy that I always went to. He was the one that I would talk things out with. He, could, he was always the middle guy, the middleman in situation. He could see all the sides of everything. And I talked with him multiple times in 2021 around the gym's burning me out. It's not the thing anymore. You know, in brick and mortar fitness, people aren't getting the whole picture. They want to come in, sweat, and leave. They're missing big, big pieces of the journey. Early, less than a week prior to my brother dying, my head coach had quit. And then after my brother passed, we were getting pictures together for his celebration of life. I realized, well, I'm not in these videos because I didn't go on that trip with him and the boys because I was running a gym. I'm not in this picture at his celebration of life from his 25th birthday because I left early from that party because I had to wake up early and run the gym the next day. And that solidified it. So I like late I'd, and I chewed on it right for most of December because some of his friends were still coming to my gym. His wife was still coming. Like I, I was putting those, I was thinking of them too. I was like, well, what if I shut this place down, this and that? And every one of them resounding, do what's best for you. So December 27th, I posted our members Facebook group and I said, hey, um, we're done at the end of the year in like four days. It's been a fun run. And that was the most freeing drive home I've ever had. And since then, I've been working online been working with Austin and doing all kinds of fun stuff. Wow. You started with, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your brother. It's got a tear in my eye because of one of the details you shared. You shared 11.48 a.m. You remember the exact time. I remember the exact time my mom called me when my dad passed. 
7 or 6 a.m. on the day after Memorial Day, 2005. And for that, I would say kind of two sides. That was the worst day of my life in the moment, in the, in the real time, in the real moment. Incredibly horrible day. And as you would say, I would go back and look at what are the positive things that have come from my father's passing. And there are a number of things that I can say he instilled in me that actually make me a better human. And it's upsetting to say that it took him passing away for me to realize some of these things. And many times we learn and through pain, but I'm feeling with you here. And that was only, well, that was only 10 months ago. So yeah, I guess I have a couple questions. One question might be in the eight years of running the gym, you came to realize that you love fitness, you wanted to serve people, and it's something that you've also got to run a business. So I guess what business lessons have you taken away from this, uh, the running of the gym for eight years? Oh, man. <laughs> Let me open the encyclopedia. Yes. <laughs> One of the biggest for me, because I'm an innovator, right? So give the market what they want. Over and over again with the gym, I saw something better and I changed something. And then right as people were getting used to that, I changed something else. Then right as people were getting used to that, I changed something else. And I did a relatively poor job communicating that those changes were coming. They would just show up. So when you're in a group fitness facility and things change how they happen over and over again, for somebody who likes to shift and improve for myself, yeah, cool. For somebody who wants to unplug, not think about things, have the gym where they go to, get told what to do and move for an hour after work, it was cumbersome at times. In fitness, specifically for business, it's having sales acumen as a requirement. It is by and large, and I'd imagine this carries over to other industries, having sales and marketing, if you are running a business, massive. Because especially in a service-based industry, how are you going to bring new people in? You could be the best coach, the best trainer in the world. You could write the best fitness programs. Until you know how to meet those people where they are and truly, truly meet them where they are as soon as they walk in, not after some assessment or an intake form, meet them where they are and convey the value to them and why it's going to end, believe in it. Put any fears aside from around the word sales. It's going to be an uphill grind. Thank you. A couple of nuggets of wisdom there. Listeners appreciate that from Chase. I'd love to go to, you got the news, challenging, devastating day. And you said that a couple months later, you made that decision and it was the most freeing thing to share that with your members. Can you take us back to the, the leading up to that statement to your gym membership? How did you come to that conclusion that it's time to move on? And when you say freeing, why freeing? How did I come to that conclusion? I had said almost a year prior to me shutting the gym down that I would be free of day-to-day operations the next year. So it was already planted in my head. And when you look at the reticular activating system, okay, now I'm looking for ways to make that happen. My brain went on a search and edit mission for that. And sub- subconsciously, I was already looking for it. Two, Bill and my wife and I bought a house last year and starting a family was on the horizon. Now our daughters do in less than a month. So October 14th. So I I knew being at the gym until 1130 with a plumber was not something that I wanted to do. Waking up to you're only one employee away from being pulled right back into the business all the way. And running a brick and mortar business, especially in the fitness industry, the margins are so low 
compared to other industries when you're running a group fitness facility that it's the juice stopped being worth the squeeze for me when i was 25 years old and i just got out of the navy and i could just go 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 whatever i just worked 36 hour days in the engine room i can go five to nine at a gym that's fine it shifted so that's what created that awareness and then as far as the freeing drive home Up until that night, if I left the gym, I was still going back there the next day. There was still the thing, and for lack of a better analogy on the spot, it was the ball and chain tied to me. Regardless of where I was moving and how I was moving, there was a weight. And driving home that night and knowing that I had just put the period on the last page of that chapter, and then I was turning over a page to a new one, that was awesome because now there's possibilities. Now there's momentum. Awesome. By the way, congratulations on expecting your first child. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready for it. I made a post yesterday and I'm going to make weekly posts for the first month or two and then monthly posts for the first year. And I'm going to have the people be super raw and honest about it. And here's how I'm maintaining as much of my health and fitness as possible. Can't wait to see that because you're someone I admire and respect very highly for your fitness regimen. And I know that I felt that I had a pretty good fitness, at least a very strong mental fitness regimen going into our first child and then the second and the third. And the thing that was the most challenging for me was the sleep. Uh, And it was super, I mean, here am I, a man saying this, any ladies listening, we know (laughs) it's challenging for us, but no, we know it's no idea what the sleep is for you. But my wife was very challenged with the sleep. And that made me challenged with the sleep and my ability to fight that temptation or ability to stay disciplined. It waned over the course of the because I was just so freaking tired. And we still survived and thrived in that time. I'm looking forward to seeing a true professional who is really at the top of the fitness totem pole. In my opinion, I'm looking forward to see how that goes raw and real and just know that whatever you do, there's no judgment on my end because I think any any parent's been there with the sleep stuff. So excited to see that. There's just on that for anybody that's going through that journey, it takes far less volume and intensity to maintain what you've built in the gym. So if you are going into a tumultuous season of life, like a lot of people will slip to a certain point and be like, oh, well, now I can slip further. Chances are, regardless of how far you've like, and and if I quoted it, I would be wrong because I, I can't remember exactly. And it is along the lines of it would almost be boring in the gym to only maintain your fitness level, regardless of where it is, at percentages of volume and intensity. So uh, that's it's just a nugget for anybody who's going through a heading into a busy season or something. It, it can be done with less work than you think, at least maintaining. I think translation, what I'm hearing in my lens is you don't have to go from like full on in the gym to nothing. You don't go from whatever you're doing right now to nothing and just take a break. You can lessen. Yep. Exactly. And, and that's, yeah. that's okay. You made a comment earlier and I'm curious of what you may have meant by it. You, you said that you are going to be free within the next year. And then you said, I'm free to day-to-day operation the next year. And then you said your brain went on a search and edit mission. When you say search and edit mission, can you comment? What, is, what does that mean, search and edit mission, I would love Chase? To. So our reticular activating system, 
powerful filter in the brain. For anybody listening, the, the best analogy to go to is what car do you drive? Like, Matt, what car do you drive? Uh, Chevy and when you Tahoe. bought that Tahoe, did you start noticing all the other Tahoes on the street? Yeah. I did. That's our reticular activating system. It goes on a search and edit mission for our life. It will edit out everything else and edit in all of the Tahoes. So when I said, by quarter one, 2022, I will be out of day-to-day operations for the gym, and I set that intention, my brain started going, okay, which solution are we using to get there? And that carries over, I mean, this, this is the crux of the work I do. Reticular activating system is programmed by the words we use and the stories we have. There was actually a study done in the 80s by, I'm blanking on the gentleman's name, he used an EEG. And he asked individuals to move their finger and to tell him when they made the decision to move their finger and which one. Now, here's the thing. Up to two seconds prior on that EEG, he was seeing the brain light up that they had already made the decision up to two seconds prior to them thinking they made the decision. Recently, there's been a group out of Berlin that used a functional MRI and it's, and they're seeing an up to seven second delay that our subconscious is making these decisions for us before we are even thinking that we're making the decision. So what does that say about our reticular activated system and the stories and language that run our subconscious? They're much more powerful than we think. So when we, one of my favorite fallbacks is for any goal to become permanent, there must be an underlying change in identity. This is part of the power of a vision board, of affirmations, anything. And repetition is the mother of all skill. The more that we can reprogram that reticular activating system. And if it's been decades, let's go with where I lived and thrived for over a decade, fitness. If it's been decades of alcohol every single night and fast food and poor sleep and a sedentary lifestyle, it is going to take time to become the person who works out five days a week. To, and guess what? Your subconscious will kick back if you try and do that all right at once because it goes against the programming. Change a little bit of the programming at a time. Do what's most in line for you. And this, I mean, principles transcend paradigms, right? So this can be extrapolated far out of fitness. If we go to any self-development journey, business, whatever, one small step after the other and implement it into your psyche, into your identity. And then that's how we reprogram our reticular activating system. How I do it is with stories. Oftentimes, the emotional body, the body keeps the score and the emotional body is a real thing, the limbic system. And say, one of my favorite examples, because it shows how it can transcend different parts of life, was a girl in my gym. She said, hey, I need a chase psychology session. And I was like, I don't think we can call it that because like, you know, licensing and sure, we can work on your mindset. And we went in and she wanted to work on nutrition. She was snacking a lot at night. And I've a four-step process of we write it out, we read it out loud, we check in with the feels, we see what comes up. And after we see what comes up, what else does that emotion feel like? When's the earliest time you can remember feeling that? You know what we went to two or three layers deeper? When she was 12 years old, her mom pressured her to have a certain body type for cheerleading. And that anxiety that she felt then was the same emotional trigger 
that was causing her to eat chocolate. So when we went through and we aired that story out and we actually, so what we do is we read it out, we air it out because a lot of people are hiding from this stuff. Joseph Campbell said any emotion felt all the way through is bliss. So we go back in and we feel the whole story. And then from there, we take and whatever that story means about us or parts of that story, we flip the words. We take more ownership of it with more accurate language that gives us our power back and is more solid. And that's how we reprogram our reticular activating system to take that two to seven seconds away and make our subconscious work for us. We take a brief pause in the show to listen to one of our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Ice Baths. What do you mean ice bath? You mean those crazy people that jump into ice? That, that, that? Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about today. If you've ever taken an ice bath, it may not sound like the most appealing thing, but what it does do for your body is it helps to flush out toxins. It helps to train your mind to be able to deal with the only thing that's happening at that moment, which is cold. You want a higher level of self-discipline? Take an ice bath. You want to increase the circulation of blood flow in your body? Take an ice bath. If you want to simply challenge yourself to something that might be a fear you have, Take an ice bath. I promise you, you will not be disappointed by taking an ice bath. Today's sponsor for the Eternal Optimist podcast. I wonder when you became more aware of this enlifted method, when you started to work on your own search and edit missions, your own subconscious and your own story chase. I wonder when did you first become aware and start to make the shift yourself and how do you stay true to that or on top of that today? So, great question. I became aware originally before I became aware of actually working the stories. Core language upgrade slash vocabulary. It's a course Mark England had out in 20, he had it out before 2017. I went through it in 2017. I've been through it two or three times before I had him on my Jim's podcast. And then from there, I went into and lifted. I took to it really quickly because it made sense. Being some, being, having the background I did, one, as a kid, my dad said, if you ever let anybody get to you, they've already won. And when you take apart, when you remove the projection side of the competitive win and lose nature of that, having that instilled in me that I am in control from a young age helped. And then being in the fitness industry and seeing that there was something more, there's something else to become the person who does the thing. When I, when I found the Enlifted Method, I was like, oh, oh, this is it. How do I keep it in control right now? Right here. I have my magic book or my spell book. And inside of it, I have my magic wand. Your, your journal is your spell book. Your pen is your magic wand. And it's like I said earlier, repetition is the mother of all skill. So the more that you can get out of your head and onto paper, the more clarity that you can seek from your stories. Wow. You just dropped a major knowledge bomb. Thank you. That was amazing. I have the journal over here. I feel the identity already starting to shift because you just made something magical. That's like a trigger word for me. So thank you for that. When did you begin the journaling and when did you start to create this spell book? With the magic wand. Was it in 2017? That, uh, we're at 2022 now. I was journaling some in like, yes, actually I was journaling 2017, 2018. I started meditating then. 
and I had some good downloads there. And then going through the Unlifted Level 1, the homework for almost each week in there is a 45-minute solo walk, come back and journal. And doing that through each week as I was going through this language work and the story work was just instrumental. And then likely a few weeks after I got out of Unlifted, I was like, wait, if words are magic, then our journal isn't a journal. It's a spell book and our pen's a magic wand. Awesome. I don't know if this is the right question or appropriate. And if no, feel free to totally say no. Would you mind opening it up to any particular page? What might be a sample of something that a high performance mental optimization coach, what might be something that you write in a journal? This is an interesting page. Let's see. This one is interesting. And I'm going to take a couple other random polls just to see. So this is, uh, yeah. We're going to do the one I originally, there are multiple things in here. My journal is different day to day. One of the pages I pulled to is a journal entry that got turned into one of my philosophy tracks. I have a five track album on Spotify. A lot of the pages are at the end of the night. If I don't have anything specific to brain dump, I'll give myself three wins and then I'll get three action items for the next day on the page. For myself, that that helps so much. This first page I pulled to, though, is interesting. I was actually in Virginia at Mark England's Lake House, and a couple of the guys were there. And I've been talking about uh, when I went out there, it actually would have been the eighth anniversary of my gym. And I only realized it when I wrote 811 on the journal page. So what I flipped to was the 13th. Looking at 811, I have a story there about eight years. But when I talked about eight, one of my buddies, Brooks, pulled out this card in Oracle deck he has, and eight was balance. So I wrote, I meditated one morning and wrote on balance. So bear with me, guys. This was a stream of consciousness and balance. The first picture that comes up is a high wire act, then a balance beam. Balance has an implication of a precarious act, one in which the slightest miscalculation may end in failure or death. However, the best high wire walkers and gymnasts make this look effortless. Was it always a pattern skill for them? No. And they continued learning how to balance, even when it was new. As their skills grow, they add complexity and nuance to their routines. They're able to slowly and surely balance more with the same rate of perceived exertion, if we will. Balance is a skill I am refining. I have come to see balance in my life as less of a pie chart and more of a plate where the main dish in the moment overtakes the center, which each of the other pieces filling out the edge around it, then around each other. If the piece in the center grows too big, the outermost will fall off. Ensure that anything pushed off is something that can be picked up again. Thank you. Of course. Wow. And so how often do you write in the journal? Let's start with that. How often do you write in your spell? I aim to go every evening. I will do three wins and three action items for the next day. If there is something to write on, I let it flow stream of conscious. So, and then like yesterday and full transparency, there's one that I've been sitting on. I was at a workshop in Austin back in March and something came up in this group, dream porting meditation and I was like, oh, that's an interesting memory from longer ago than I thought I had memories. 
It's like, oh, I guess that was at the root of that's where that anxious feeling around around ADD came up. And that's the same anxious feeling I get if I don't take action on something. And finally, yesterday, I sat down and meditated for like 30 minutes. And then I wrote on that memory. So, I mean, even even those of us that know the game, we procrastinate on it. We drag our feet on getting the ones. And there was little emotional charge where I did get with some clarity around it. But yeah, to succinct answer for your question every day with wins and action items and then as i feel called for stream of conscious writing awesome i'd love to uh, kind of shift where we've been we've been kind of in the weeds on the journaling and the spell book and the search and edit mission so many great nuggets of wisdom i'd love to go to what you're creating where you're leading yourself and people in the future you talk a little bit and paint a picture for us about what's next in the world in your mind chase mm. Thank you. So what I'm creating is always shifting, you know, as I alluded to earlier. And that's part of the beauty of not having a brick and mortar is as each client come in, comes in, it can shift. The Primal Man Pathway has been my brand for the last two years, you know, my online brand. And it started as fitness for guys, and it still is lifestyle. That being said, most of the call today for our group call was spent around emotional intelligence, knowing your values well enough that if somebody falls off, were they a friend or were they just an acquaintance? And do you really want to chase that relationship? And the fact that men actually succeed at suicide far more, men actually commit suicide far more often than women. Women attempt more often. Men finish the job way, way too often. I mean, any on average, men above 40 have 0.5 friends that can go to with something serious. That's a problem. And that doesn't mean that doesn't start with the community. It starts from within. And I draw this picture. That's what I'm aiming to create with the primal man pathway. Am I a fitness guy? Do I believe that movement and good food and sleep and getting outside are all integral? Yes. And to truly connect with anyone, we must first connect with ourselves. And connection is bred out of vulnerability. So if we go back to as within, so without, we got to be very vulnerable with ourselves first before we ever truly create connection out externally. And what I'm creating is I am leading men to be able to create themselves, leaders, change makers, guys that are so on fire mentally, in their heart, in their soul, and physically that the world is their oyster. Well, I love the way you get me fired up uh, just talking this way. So uh, I, I like where you are. I, I'm curious. Let's say that I'm someone that uh, I see you. I follow you on social media. I'm impressed by what I see. I want to be like that. I want to be able to have that emotional vulnerability. I want to be able to have that that confidence, that certainty, have a stronger story. But I don't like what I see. I don't like something about myself. Where might be a place that I can start if I want to do more like that or be more like that, I'm just not sure where to start. What might you say to me? Go for a 45 minute walk without any devices, a slow walk and see what comes up. I can throw out all kinds of answers and often in the age of information, the answers are within. It comes back to the age old, at least age old for me by now. If you don't have 20 minutes to meditate, meditate for 60, sit with yourself because at the end of the day, like, yeah, I have some cool things to say. My guys are very attentive. And when I start talking and a lot of the answers come from them. So if you're wondering where to start, look in the mirror. 
Get off YouTube. Get off Google. Stop with the information overload and ask your heart what it wants. It's interesting how sometimes the best answers, the best solutions are hiding in the lifestyle side of my program. People come into it and they're like, oh, I didn't know it could be this simple. Like, it should be because it should be able to withstand a kid or a business or kids or a death in the family. If we underthink it, any jerk can overcomplicate something. Anybody, it's the mark of a true professional to be able to explain it like you're five. There's a lot of, especially in personal development, fitness, wellness, anything that involves coaching these days, there's a lot of noise around the perfect, the perfect solution, the the magic fix. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Guys. And I mean, I've said all this throughout here, the victim mentality, all, all we're doing is turn the noise down on it. I still have times where I'm like, am I that good of a coach? Oh man, do I mm-hmm. really deserve to be charging what I charge? And then I turn mm-hmm. around, my guys are like, this is worth every penny. You should raise your rates. So, uh, you mentioned earlier that you might use affirmations from time to time. I wonder how you might use affirmations when some of these imposter syndrome or self doubt or whatever comes up inside, how you might use affirmations from the primal man pathway perspective. Yes. And I want to make sure I deliver some value here as opposed to, hey, pull affirmation off of Pinterest. So if there's something, we'll go negation to affirmation, right? We'll make it and if there's something you don't want, if there's something you're looking at yourself that gives you that, causes you to hold your breath, because that's, I mean, that's another rabbit hole for another day is breathing. Just get your breath low and slow and there's going to be some big shifts. That being said, if there's something you don't want, I don't want to gain the weight back. I don't like being fat. I don't like being stressed about money. I don't like this. I I don't want this. What do you want? Now, craft that statement into something that resonates with you. Whether I will, I am, I can. And if you really want to spice it up, add a because, especially if it's an I can statement, put a because in there. I forget her name. Was, she ran a, a study in the 80s around copy machines using the word because. And when individuals were in line to make a copy, about 64% of the time, if you walk up and you ask, can I make a copy with zero reason to cut in line, people would let them in line. Now, when they added a because, can I make a copy because my, I need to pick my kids up from soccer? Can I make a copy because I have a meeting? Can I make a copy because I have an appointment? of the time, people got let in front. They got really silly with it. Can I make a copy? Because I need to make a copy. They made the because the same statement. And guess what? It was still 94% yes. So if it does that for other people, and we go back to earlier, the subconscious, the reticular activating system, put a because because statement on your affirmations. I can run a profitable business because I know how. I can lose the weight because I'm going to be a role model for my children. I can create separation between work and home because time is finite with my family, because I value the time of my family. And make sure it feels good. Tinker with the words. And then you really want to supercharge an affirmation? Take a breath after it, all the way down into your belly 
and rep that like and do it like three to five times in the in when you rise for the day and three to five times before you go to sleep. If you can rep affirmations as soon as you get out of bed, when your brain's still transferring brainwave states, it's actually gonna be a lot more pliable there. I do three pieces of gratitude while my brain's still in that state every day. Amazing. You strike me as a very intentional person in the words and the stories and the actions to to lead towards your why. I'm curious. I've seen your videos and I can see whenever you raise your arm because you're very kinetic as well. You have tattoos. And I'm wondering if there is a story or if there's some intentionality behind your tattoos. I've been wanting to ask you that since I saw the mm. first video. I'll go through the stories real quick. The first one was a Navy thing before Don't Tread On Me started being becoming more politicized. So they fly the union, the jack on the front of the ship that says, Don't Tread On Me. So that was my first tattoo. Second one was my initials, Roman numeral three. Third one was a quote from the book Atlas Shrugged on my ribs. And it's something John Galt said. It's not that I don't suffer. It's that I know the unimportance of suffering. I know that pain is to be fought and thrown aside not to be accepted as part of one's soul and as a permanent scar across one's view of existence. So that was number three. Number four was the phoenix on my chest because phoenix rising from the ashes, reborn. Five was a rather funny one on my leg. It's a body of an eagle with George Washington's head and a rocket launcher. I was still in the Navy and it says America across it. Awesome. (laughs) I have my Navy rating symbol the gear and then I add the pistons on there for the original logo for my gym that my brother drew on the other side of my arm. I have a rose on the back of my tricep for my wife's middle name, Rose. And I have an octopus that fills in the blank space in my left arm for scuba diving. At one time going on a dive with my dad in Aruba, I had an octopus crawling up my arm. So, And then I have this eye right here for my brother's vision. Right there. And that one actually has his ashes in the ink. And then I have a peregrine falcon on my right arm because peregrine falcons, when they go after their prey, dive at 242 miles an hour. So if I want something, I'm going to go get it. And then I have one on my shin that is a ship. It's done traditional style, full color. It was traced off the same outline of a ship my brother had. So that one's another tribute to my brother. So yes, for meaning, every piece has something behind it. That may have been the best answer in the history of our, our show. That was awesome. Thank you for everything. I guess I'd like to close with a couple thoughts. I'll, I'll ask you last how people can find out more about you. And, but before we get to that, I'd love to ask, is there any question I didn't ask you today that you might like to answer? Off the top of my head, no, this has been very thorough. Okay. Good. Well, help us find out more about Chase Tolleson, the Primal Man Pathway, and any offers for our listeners. How do you find out more about you, Chase? I do want to answer one question real quick. I'll give him a nugget before I go there. Because we did, we glossed over the breath. If you're in a cut, breathing is paramount. And so many people's breath is trapped in their chest. So if you want to improve your life, yeah, words, language, stories, massive. Also just as massive, arguably, breath, breathe through your belly and back. And if you really want to try that one out, next time someone's talking, exhale for as long as possible while they're talking. 
Because the only difference between a conversation and an argument is not tone of voice. It's whether you've already decided what you're going to say before the other person's done speaking. So, that being said, where you can find me. Instagram is where I'm the most active, at coach underscore chase underscore Tolleson. There's a link to my free Facebook group in there. I go live a couple times a week, drop more knowledge. I'll be going in-depth in that group about my journey of carrying fitness into fatherhood. I'm also going to be doing more service-level public posts about that. And then chasetolleson.com if you want to learn more or get any more information. Fantastic, brother. Appreciate you for coming on. Thank you for sharing the story and the challenges and how you're turning it to to serve the world. So most appreciation, respect, my friend. Good luck on October 14th. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.